Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. And today's topic is radical generosity. And we are joined by guest Bob DePasquale. He is known as the generosity guy, and he helps us unpack how we can be radically generous in everything that we're doing. So this can be something small, like a one-on-one conversation we're having with someone, or it can be something big, like our whole philanthropic giving, um, (laughs) um, our our whole philanthropic giving efforts at work and programs. That's a really big word, guys. Um, So here's the conversation with Bob. Bob is a great guy. He can say big and fancy words, and he also teaches us how to be generous. Here we go. Bob. Bob, how are Emily. you doing today? <laughs> I <Reconnected>. am good. <laughs> Technology is not my friend today, but we I'm won here. technology. That was step one. <laughs> good to hear <laughs> you. Good to see you. How's yeah. your week been? It has been good. I've, I actually head out of town tomorrow, so I've been a million miles an hour this uh, past three days to try to get it all in. So nonstop, nonstop. Well, thank yeah. you for taking the time to stop by. Stop by the show. Happy to have you. Yeah. Let's uh, let's. Let's jump right in. So what is radical generosity? Radical generosity is really the thing that drives my life these days. I had a, quite an experience when I was an 18-year-old kid. I uh, thought I was invincible and thought I was going to take over the world, if you will. And I ended up uh, having quite an experience that taught me that generosity is something that we should, you know, we really shouldn't take for granted. And uh, it's really an opportunity in my life these days to be as um, you know, nice and helpful to people as I can possibly be. And that's what I want to do. I'm not always perfect, but uh, anywhere near perfect, to be honest with you. And now I, I try to live my way, try to live my life that way. It, it's, and you know, people think the word radical means sometimes means bad or out of place or you know, really what it just means is kind of unexpected or or doing it in a way that someone else might not consider. And so, generosity gives us quite a few opportunities to do that. I think, and I uh, try to take advantage. of yeah, thank you for that. And I think, you know, radical is a, a extreme word or radical word, but when it's applied to things like generosity, that can be a really potent and good combination. So, um yeah. in terms of in terms of professionals and the business world, you work in this in this wheelhouse as well. Why is giving good business? Because sometimes that's counterintuitive to people, right? Like I I want revenue, I want to make sure the business is flowing, I want to make sure my people are taken care of, but why is giving good business? Absolutely is good business. And from what I've experienced, you know, after working with thousands of business owners, I realized the ones who have the most giving environment in their company uh, are the ones who attract the best talent. They attract the most loyal customers. And it's good business because people want to do business with giving people. It's innate. It's inherent that humans are compassionate. We have one of the longest child rearing periods out of any animal in the world. And I use this example a lot because I think it, it illustrates perfectly how we have have a natural desire to care for people. Uh, you know, we care for our young, most people for 18 years before they leave the house. A lot of a lot of other animals and other creatures out there aren't like that. You know, the, the bird <laughs> kicks its uh, its kid out of the nest pretty quickly to fly. And so uh, the same thing goes as we get older. I just think we get distracted these days. Um, and like you said, there's so many tools and tips and tricks out there that are supposed to teach us how to have more revenue and be more productive ourselves. And the self-help world is full of books and you know websites and blogs all about how we need to be better and i don't actually think that a lot of people need to be that much better i, I always i always believe in self improvement and working hard to get better but i don't think that's the the primary driver 
uh, for good commerce and good business and good collaboration. I think it's generosity. I think it's caring for the people that you work with and caring for your customers. And that's why I believe it's good business. Okay. And just to drill in there a little bit, are we talking a giving spirit? Are we talking giving our money, giving our time? What 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 does that encompass? Well, the short the short answer is everything. Uh, but to to make it more practical for people, uh, you know, there's a lot of firms and business big businesses out there that I know that I've done business with myself or had experience of speaking with them or uh, just or, or I'm a customer and they have giving programs or systems that that are that people are expected to participate in. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, it's not necessarily giving things. Although giving, obviously, uh, there has to be some transfer, whether it's time or resources or money or something. Um, so the the actual transfer of an item or a resource is important, uh, but it's more about the mindset than the actual. And I always say that giving is a mindset and not an event, because uh, I know plenty of people who have gone to a charity event because they had to, uh, not because they wanted to, or they went there because they were told to, uh, they felt obligated. And that's not necessarily the what I'm talking about. When you walk into a business, especially a service-based business, if they're offering a product, it's one thing. I suppose you could order it online and never even talk with them. You know, Amazon one-click buy. Uh, but I still think it applies uh, in in a company culture. But especially in service-based businesses, if you if you walk into whether it's a, you know virtually walk into these days or actually walk into a brick-and-mortar business, you can feel the culture of how the people work together. You can see how they interact. You can see how they address you. Uh, you know, I think there's there's quite a few examples in the food business uh, of, of companies and businesses that have, do a really, really good job of making people feel comfortable. And so if you think about it, it's that experience that you get from being there that makes you either want to go back or be a repeat customer. And that's so, so important. Um, I've You can go to a place and have a great meal one time, but if they treat you like crap, no, you know. You ain't going back. You ain't going back. It doesn't matter. So, so same concept. Um, you know, the, the most thriving business businesses and business owners that I've dealt with over the years um, are the ones who make their people feel like they're part of something bigger than just themselves. In a society where we're almost trained to to be self-centered and it's all about me and what can I get to get ahead and how do I show that I'm doing well? How do we how do we switch that over into a giving mindset? Well, I think the first thing is that, you know, selfishness and selflessness are are certainly antonyms. I mean, they're it, it's very hard to be selfish and then be selfish at the same time. But what it does not mean is that you have to constantly be a martyr or sacrificing yourself. Like you still need to take care of yourself. You still I mean, think about it. When you're on a plane, and you know, I've never been on a plane that's going down, thank God. But when they make <laughs> oxygen the oxygen mask, yeah. right? I've never had to use the oxygen mask. But they always tell you, put yours on first before you help someone else. So it's not that we should not care about ourselves. It simply means that we should use our gifts and skills to help other people. So, mm. excuse me, we have to make sure that our gifts and skills are, you know, we're healthy and we're available. Uh, but it just if you think about it, if you're an organization, if you're a business, you're a company, and you're selling a product or service, if you're not prepared to share that product or service to the best of your ability, then you're not really doing the best for your customer. So it really makes sense to me that we should be to try to be at our best, but it's not to be at our best so we can 
take down the person in the cubicle next to us <laughs> or, you know, dominate our colleagues and win all the awards in our company. So everyone else quits and we're the only salesperson left. I mean, that's not the mindset. The mindset is to be as good as we can be so that the people that we work for and work with felt, feel well supported and ultimately want to be part of that company. Like I said, people want to do business with an organization that feels good. If you, I walked into, where was I the other day? I can't remember where I was. I think it was, um, uh, well, it doesn't, either way, I was in a, I was in a store the other day and I, there were two of the employees were arguing with each other. And immediately I thought to myself, I don't want to do business with this place because uh. these people are arguing with each other. Now, ultimately it could have been in a, just those two people having a bad day. And maybe it was a very, very good environment in that business. And so I probably, you know, shouldn't overjudge on just one event. But reality, the thought crossed my mind. Like, why would I want to work or do business right. or buy something from a place where the employees don't like each other? You know, that's probably not a good environment. So if I was to see that again or went back there or saw uh, two arguments or, or maybe the boss came out and started yelling at everyone, like that <laughs> would make me feel uncomfortable. Um, but when you see people collaborating, the, the perfect example of this is like is my dentist. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like the dentist because, you know, they don't like and poking around your teeth and the drills and all that. Um, thankfully, I've had good dental health in my life, so I, I don't have any bad memories like that. I just have a lot of great memories and experiences at my dentist. I mean, the doctor and the the dental hygienist and the people at the front desk are always collaborating. They're always so nice to each other. Like They're always addressing each other by name and telling each other please and thank you. And it just seems like a very, very collaborative environment. And the first time I ever went there, the thing that sold me on it because our dentist had left or retired and we had to find a new one and we got a referral. My wife went there first and a, a week or two later, I had my appointment and not, not knowing what to expect. And the thing that sold me on the place was one of the employees, when I first walked in, she greeted me, you know, she was very nice to me, but then she started talking. I started asking her questions. I love to ask questions. And she started telling me all about, the experiences that she's had outside of the office with her colleagues. Okay. And I don't know if she did this on purpose. I don't know if this is a strategy. If it was, then they're brilliant. They're they're more than just good dentists <laughs> and they're great business people too. But it it convinced me that there was just a great environment. Like there was nice people and the, the leadership cared about their people. So I wanted to support that business. And I they've been my dentist now for like five years. So it's been great. Yeah. I mean, when I go, it's funny you mentioned that because when I think about my dentist and the receptionist or whoever is up front, they are super friendly. And I'm wondering if they choose those people on purpose because you are about to go in and get your teeth like <laughs> drilled into or or having something done that's like not, not the most pleasant. So they kind of counter it with yeah. something. But yeah. So, okay. So it's, it's a mindset and it's, it's being to your full skill set, it sounds like. So at the top of your potential. And then yes. Since we're in the business world, it sounds like it's not an either or situation. It's uh, and so you know you can be a good business person and and drive revenue and have a successful enterprise or be even a successful individual contributor. And you can be someone of a generous spirit, or you can be giving all you can to your colleagues and your company and your clients. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, one hundred percent. If you 
Because if if you are a successful business, believe me, like if if you're collaborative with your colleagues, or if you're the business owner, let's say you're the actual entrepreneur and you've hired the people, and you find the right people that fit into that culture, and there's a collaborative environment, you'll find success. There's no doubt in my mind that you'll have a successful business. And when you do have success in that fashion, the key is in that fashion, because we've all known some people that have had some luck or some overnight success, or or maybe had a different style that. You, you know, got them ahead of the game, if you will, but you always pay for it in the long run. Yep. And you're not likely to be a generous person outside of your business, beyond your bottom line and your revenue, if you've had success in a different fashion. But if you've had success within a generous culture, then you're more likely to be a giver outside of that as well. And then you're going to support other, you're, you know, you're probably going to do some philanthropic work. You're going to do some charitable volunteering. You're definitely going to give money to places. Um, it's just, it's, it's contagious. It's much more likely that you'll be a giving person if you've had success doing it. Um, and, and there's scientific proof. I mean, we can go down the road of hormones and oxytocin. I can tell you all about that, uh, about how it is absolutely contagious. When people see, when you see other people collaborating, you're more likely to do it yourself. And so if you've had success that way and you've seen your colleagues do that, then you know, or you should know that in the future, you're going to do the same thing and you're going to be more inclined to, to help other people do that, whether it's, you know, towards your bottom line or just towards some other cause in the community. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the culture you're in and, and it's contagious, right? So if everyone is like, oh, everyone here gives and everyone here is, is generous with each other, then you're going to, you're going to, uh, maybe it's falling into peer pressure in a good way <laughs> this time. Um, but you're going <laughs> to do the same thing too. It's going to osmosis into you. Um, yeah. and I, yep. and I heard, uh, someone say money can buy happiness. Money can buy happiness when you give it away. And uh, yeah, so, um, and I'm wondering too, so most of the people listening, they're business professionals. Uh, we all have a little money to give. I give to charities that um, I hear about or a friend hears about or is recommended to me. And it sounds like a, a cause that I'm I'm passionate about, um, but I don't have like a, a program. And so I know you work with people or businesses around this. Can you talk a little bit, you know, if, if I don't, if someone doesn't know how to give, but they, they want to, and they're not billionaires or anything, but they have a little extra to give, how do they go about doing that? Well, the, the first thing I'll say this, and I'll just echo what you had said before, when you, when you're a giving person and you, you know, you kind of let money lose its grip on you, if you will, mm -hmm. um, it's such a powerful thing. When you feel uh, the need when you feel, you know, when you're, I know desperate may not be the right word, but when, when you feel like money is the driver of your action, uh, it, it, it leads to bad decisions. It leads to th that grip that I'm talking about. So 100%, if you could figure out a way to, 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 to basically force money, to lose its grip on you to be a more giving person, even if you don't have a lot, I mean, I've seen some of the most, you know, people with the most modest income, be the most giving people and the joy and fulfillment that they feel is amazing. So that's the first thing I want to want to double down on. But as far as actionable items and things to actually do, um, you know, when you're talking about leadership, first of all, leadership, as you've probably heard, you know, some people are lead better with action, you know, actions speak louder than words. And so when you have a, when you ask questions that indicate that you care and then you have a generous mindset, that's one of the most powerful things in the world. So before you even start deciding on what and how to give, whether that's money or your time, just ask questions for people as if you care about, and, and you do care. I mean, it's got to be genuine, right? <laughs> yeah. But be, be curious about what's going on with people. I mean, there's something to be said about a leader in a company or an organization asking the people he or she leads 
how they're doing and what's going on outside of the office. You know, not being nosy and also not, hey, how was your weekend? Like the, the you know, the common, but like yeah. specifically, like, what did you do this weekend? Did you spend time with your family? How did it go? Where did you go? Or, or do you know that your, your employee went on vacation? When they come back, ask them about the vacation, like actually ask them how it went. And is there anything that you can do to help them, you know, get back up to speed since they were out for a week? You know, those little type of things give indication to people that you're in of a generous mindset. And then of course, once you get the answers for them, the, the, the next action is to actually do what they're asking for. I mean, unless it's completely outlandish. Um, like if your employee says, well, I think what would help me boss is another th- three weeks off. Obviously, <laughs> that's not that's probably not the answer. But if it's like, well, I really, you know, I, I need to get caught up on this one project and I'm not really sure where where we left off. Can you take a peek at it for me? Like, go ahead and do that for them. That's a generous act. That's helping them do it because you're probably a busy business owner. There's a million other things that you could be doing. So that's the first. The first step is to ask people. The second step is to actually do it. And then when it comes to actually actual money and charitable giving, because you know I work in the financial space also, and I think this is the question that comes up a lot. Uh, you know, well, I, I don't know how much money I can give or I can afford to give. Well, there's a lady by the name of Amy Campbell, and if you look uh, look up her quotes, and she's got a TED talk about this, and she has a quote that essentially says, and I'm, you know, it's not word for word, but it's instead of looking about you know what can we afford to give, it's what do I have that other people can't afford not to have essentially. Mm. And so you got to think about it that way. What do you have that can help other people? And if you think that way, that'll give you a much better idea of what you can afford to give, if you will. And if you ask yourself that question and you just get started and it starts simple, do something really, really small and easy for somebody. And that's a great way to get started. Because if you get involved with something, the data and the studies show that you're much more likely to become a continuous financial giver if you're actually involved in a cause. So in other words, if you love, if, if you have a heart for children, right? And, but you don't feel like you quite have enough money to really support the local, uh, you know, the local home for, you know, for homeless kids or for or- orphans or whatever it might be, go call them up, say, Hey, not sure how I can support, but I'd love to participate. Can I volunteer? And if you go out there and you participate, even for a couple hours, I bet you that you'll be more likely and more inclined to actually give financially and to feel even more compelled to do so. And it's it's all about those hormones of getting involved in the cause because you feel like you're actually touching it. You feel like you're actually participating. Um, and I feel like that's probably the hardest part because leaders will do just about anything to improve their business. So the suggestion I just made about asking your employees how their vacation went I bet you nine out of 10 people will probably do that this week if you're listening, because you that it's simple. It's part of your business. It's part of your day-to-day. It's going to help morale. But the one that, the thing that you might not do is call up the local orphan place and, and go volunteer next weekend, because that's outside of your comfort zone. You're not used to doing that. It's not directly affecting your business. Um, so I challenge people to do that. Wow. Yeah. There was so much great stuff you said in there. So just to, to, to recap some of that for my, for my own self is, yeah. uh, when you're speaking to someone in, in the U S primarily, when you say, how are you, you're not, you, you're usually not actually asking how that person is. You're acknowledging that you see them and like they're in the same room as you or on the same zoom call as you. So I think actually even just saying that with an actual intention of like, how are you is people can tell the difference. And then yes, asking some sort of open-ended or even specific question about what was, what was the favorite thing you did this weekend or something to get an actual conversation. That's a good one. That's a really good one, Emily. Love it. What what was the, you know, what was your highlight of your weekend? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's perfect. And then another good one is, um, you know, what maybe didn't go so well over your weekend. I wouldn't lead with that one. <laughs> I w- but you got to be careful. You know, you got to know your relationship with your people. Uh, but if you want to grow in leadership, I mean, and I know that your show is a lot about growth and helping leaders become the best they can be in their space. Uh, that's a tough one. But you got to ask, you got to learn how to ask the hard questions. And the hard questions aren't always, hey, did you get the project done? Or yeah. how did you feel that? That meeting went after a you know after what you know is a bad meeting. Um, you got to do reviews with your people. I would say one of the hardest things you can do is ask people what their struggle was. And then now if you move that to their personal life, and now just be careful. I mean, use judgment sure. here. But when you get into that conversation, don't be afraid to ask people what maybe hasn't gone well, because I think you find out a lot about their personality and you can probably help, you might even be able to help them too. Um, but asking those good questions, 100%. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many, I've probably had, you know, 10 to 15 strong leaders in my business career in different roles, you know, whether they were the big boss or just, uh, you know, someone who was, I reported to. And, um, I would say about half of them were really good at asking questions. And that half are people that I still keep in contact with. The yeah. other half, we don't really have a relationship. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean I didn't like them or they're bad people. I just didn't. I just didn't feel that they, you know, that we we truly had a relationship. And that's truly growth. You know, that you're growing as a person when other people are interacting with you and other people feel connected to you. It's. I think a lot of what, and I, I kind of alluded to it. I don't want to bash all the self help space. Um, but I've kind of been on this crusade <laughs> against it recently since I had a gentleman on my podcast to call it shelf help because he had so many self-help books, but he never pulled them off the shelf. Um, I thought that was a funny way he, he put it. But essentially what I'm saying is I think there's a lot of belief and thought that growth is about improving the stuff, like doing this internal work to make ourselves more efficient and more committed or more productive or to work on our own, you know, work-life balance. And once again, those things aren't bad, but I think with a mark of a great leader is the interactions that he or she has and the relationships that he or she has with his or her people. The, that by That's the best measure for me, more than anything, you know, more than experience, data, revenue, profit and loss statements, EBITDA, you know, any of those business terms. People it's remember how you make them feel. I mean, it's the old adage, but people remember how you make them feel. And, you know, what you were describing before, I've, look, I'm I'm guilty of just saying, hey, how are you? And not really caring how the other person was. Um, and at some points in my career, I'll, I'll admit, I didn't really care how your weekend was. I'm like, go, go to work. Like, I don't care how your cat's cousin's mom's, you know, got sick and then got better. I'm like, I don't care. Um, but... <laughs> Over time, it was, no, you know what? Like, these are the people around me. And it was when I transferred jobs, like I, you know, left the company, got a new job and, you know, did my career trajectory and all that stuff. But it was, I looked back and I was like, oh, I didn't treat those people super well. I wasn't rude or, dis, you know, blatantly disrespectful or anything, but I just, you know, I was kind of brief with people. I was very business oriented and um, that was, it was okay for what it was, but there was a lot more that I could give in terms of just the interactions yeah. I had with people. And I think that leaders um, are are missing out on a large percentage of how effective 
they could be about how effective their culture could be if they just take the time, these little tiny moments in the big scheme of things, to take the time to make these interactions quality interactions. And to something you said earlier, people might, they don't want your presence as in like your gifts. They want your presence as in like, are you here with me? Are you engaged in the yes. conversation with me? So I think that's a distinction uh, to make as well. 100%. Love it. Presence over presence. If you're following <laughs> along and you're spelling the words correctly. Uh, that's that's absolutely what it is. And, you know, I talk about radical generosity and radical growth. And what I said in the beginning, it's doing things a little bit differently. And like I said, those those leaders who did things a little bit differently that I wouldn't expect. I mean, I, you know, when, and then when I started becoming a leader myself, it was, man, how did I get here? Hard work, head down, grind. And so, my first couple of years as a leader, it was in the office, first one in the office on Monday morning, head down. If someone had a question, you know, I would, you know, like wave and say one minute or like, I don't have time for you right now. I'm I'm working hard because I'm the leader, yeah. uh, you know, and, and in hindsight, it was probably more of an ego trip than anything of mine. And it was it what it should have been was is I'm in the office early working as a good example. But if you need something, I'm more than willing to drop it because at 7.30 in the morning or eight thir- even 8.30 in the morning, there's no phone calls coming. It's not like I, I'm I'm in a meeting with somebody. I'm people just... love to prove how busy they are. Yeah. Sorry to cut exactly. you off. <laughs> like people That's... love to prove how busy. I'm so busy. Yeah. yeah. Bus- busyness, uh, business over busyness, 100%. So totally, totally understand what you're saying. The, the best leaders develop great relationships with the people that they work with. And the radical growth comes because people don't expect it. People think that the radical uh, the radical generosity is a little off. You know, why are they taking so much time? To speak? You know, why, why are they being so kind to the people? Why are they walking around and speaking with customers? Why are they doing things? Why aren't they working or, you know, in their office doing whatever they're doing? Um, it comes and then the radical growth comes and you're like, wow, now I get it. Now I see why more customers come to the door. Now I see why people want to work for this company. Um, and that's and that's truly what it is. So radical growth, absolute, uh, excuse me, radical generosity can lead to radical growth. And I think another thing that's coming through is what's the most important thing to the person you're talking about? So get the attention and focus off yourself for a second and say, you know, in the examples you gave, it was, you know, what, what important happened over the weekend or what what project, you know, what's the biggest thing in your, in your, even in your business world, what's happening there that's important to you? And it might not be the biggest thing on your radar because their important thing might, oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even know about that. But to them, it's the biggest deal. And so just having a little bit of curiosity around what's a big deal to them right now, what's happening in their world can get you in mm-hmm. in that mindset, it sounds like. Um, so in terms of uh, helping people find their cause or find their priorities, whether that's, okay, how do I, you know, what are some things I can focus on to be more engaged with people and have better interactions at work or on the financial piece, how do I find, you know, I don't have a cause right now. How do I go find a charity that aligns with something I'm interested in or passionate about? What mm-hmm. quick tips would you have for any of that? Well, I'll address the second part first. So there are so many charities out there. It's almost overwhelming. I mean, there there's so many organizations that you can go to. And what I don't suggest you do is just go on the internet <laughs> And start searching, you know, like for so for example, my my family, my cousin has a disease called cystic fibrosis, right? 
Now, thankfully, my uncle has a foundation and it's big part of our family. But let's say I didn't know anything. I just, you know, one day I want to support the cause. I think personally, the worst thing I could do is go online and say charity for cystic fibrosis because it it's almost too hard. And then what's too easy is you can go just about any charity now will take an online donation. It takes you 30 right. seconds, but there's no connection there. And that's going back to what I was saying earlier about participation. So if you want to find a place or a cause that you're really interested in, I would start with your local community and people that you know and ask questions there. Um, there's a there's a local food bank in my in my uh, county here. They've been around for years. They've changed names a couple of times. I volunteered there multiple times myself. They do such an excellent job of word of mouth marketing, which seems crazy in the charitable space. Um, but that's the most powerful stuff because you can make a connection there and you can actually meet the people who are working. And stories are extremely powerful. And you're much more likely to get a good story if you ask a question of someone in person than if you just do a Google search. So if you really have no clue where you want to start, I would just ask around. I would talk to people in your community. If Are you part of a business club? Is there a local rotary club? Uh, we were joking around before my Toastmasters meeting logo <laughs> is coming on. Every time my video cut out, I'm part of a Toastmasters club. There's some really, really nice people there. If I, I, I know that if I asked them, they would have a bunch of ideas and clubs and things that they're participated in. Maybe it's your faith community. Just ask the people around you uh, what who's in need. Um, I and I have a there was a there was a lady in our community who had, who was sick for like six months, and I didn't know what to do. I felt terrible, and I was like, you know, how can I help these people? And I asked I asked one other person, and then we made a couple phone calls. And within like two hours, they set up this meal train, essentially, where there was like an online document or someone's keeping track of this. And we fed this lady's family, not oh, me wow. personally, I only provided like one meal, but like 90 people group. ended up showing up. Wow. And so I don't really feel honestly, the other person put more legwork in than I did. So I don't ultimately feel as much of a ownership of this one, but I know they do. I know they feel tremendous. Like, wow, I really helped this family for like three months to get a meal every night to the family because her family was going back and forth to the hospital and school and work. And Jeez, yeah. So, and that was just a simple question. Hey, what can I do to help? And it was like, hey, do you know that she's, you know, like in the hospital and her family can't, you know, and then that was it. Simple as that. So that's an example there. And if I'm being honest, Emily, I, I forgot the first half of your question. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, it was around just the interactions with people. Hey, if I want to get myself in a mindset to say, okay, I want to really make a conscious effort to go into my interactions with people with a generous spirit. What's one or two things they can keep in mind to just start that that path? Oh, that's a good one. Well, if it's a professional sense, I would make I would make a specific set of questions or review or a segment in every like weekly meeting that you have mm -hmm. be dedicated to that. And that way, not only will you not forget to do it, but you'll also indicate to your staff and people that this is important. If we're leading our Monday morning meeting and it's not with metrics and sales from last week and it's with, Hey, what can we do in the community or what can we do to help each other? That's huge. Or who's in need. I mean, that sends a strong message to your staff. So that's number one. If it's in more of a personal sense, like, hey, how can I get more involved with people? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you could, you know, that you could think of something to do. 
Um, but first of all, if you're involved in communities, like a couple of those things that I just mentioned, um, that's a great place to start. Just participate in those things. And so, for example, my Toastmasters Club, we meet at 7, what time do we start? We start at 7.45 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. Um, but the meeting opens at 7.15. So I've made it my business. I'm not there every week, but I try my best to show up at 7.15 so that I'm not just walking in the door or the virtual door now that it's online uh, and just starting the meeting and then leaving right when we're done. I'm actually dedicating a couple extra minutes to connect with people. Uh, so so my suggestion there is if you're involved in existing communities, show up a couple minutes before. Stick or, you know, don't schedule your day so tight that you have to jet every time it's, the meeting is over. Take a little bit of extra time. And then if you're not involved in any clubs, then I would suggest that you get involved in some. Or, you know, walk your dog more and meet some neighbors. I mean, <laughs> you'd be surprised how powerful that is. I uh, So we don't have a dog. And I... My neck, this is this is terribly sad. I can't believe I'm even telling you this story. But my next door neighbor, we lived in our house now for 10 years. It wasn't until the pandemic that I met my neighbor. Wow. I'm next door 10 neighbor. years? Yeah, seven it's seven oh. years. Now we've now now we've known her for about three years. And we, you know, we don't hang out all the time, but you know, we say hi and I knock <laughs> on the door occasionally. But seven years went by and we never met each other. How sad is that? And I blame it on us not having a dog because we or, or kids, so we were never walking around <laughs> the neighborhood. Um, but during the pandemic, my wife and I changed our whole daily schedule. It's a long story, um, but we started work exercising in the morning and not going to the local gym and just getting some equipment in our house. And but it's in the garage. So now in the mornings, we're out. The garage is open. People are walking by. We're in the neighborhood. We're running. I've met more people in the past three years than I met in the first seven. And so just exposing myself to other people that I'm doing life with, like, why should we not be friendly with them? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. So now I'm very, very intentional when someone walks by that I just say, you know, good morning or good evening, whatever. Yes. I actually say hi. And it's not just like you were talking about before. Hey, how are you? It's, yeah. hi, nice to, you know, good to see you. Hi, I'm Bob. I live here. You know, I've been living here since, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um so yeah, yeah, just putting yourself in, in people's way, really. That's the cool. pandemic, yeah. I remember the pandemic. We were locked in for so long that when we went outside and we stayed on the other side of the street to stay away from people, but just seeing another human was like, hi, how are you? Like, it's good to see you. Yeah, so yeah, right? I remember remember that whole thing. Um, awesome. All right. Well, Bob, thank you so much. Thank you for being generous with your time and visiting with us. And I think there is a lot of good information. I know you work in this field a whole bunch. So if people want to know more or how to connect with you to talk with you one-on-one, -on -one, how do they find you? Sure. BobDePasquale.com is the best place to go. It's got all my social links there. I, my DMs are open on just about every platform I'm on. So by all means, go to the website there. You can see some of my work, what I do and what I talk about in my presentations. And then you can you can uh, hit me up right there. So it's pretty easy. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate your time. Awesome. Be a great leader there, Emily. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.